all around the world, people are greeting one another this morning with the declaration, He is risen. He is risen indeed. And the fact that most of us are having to offer our greetings to one another through Skype or uh, Zoom or on the telephone is really doing nothing to dampen the, the hope that the promise of those words offers to us. Just imagine how amazing it would have been to have heard those words that first Easter Sunday, the first time that they were ever uttered. Unfortunately for us, we have those words and we have that encounter recorded for us in, in Matthew 28. We're told that Mary Magdalene, a woman who had had uh, quite a checkered past, we're told that at one time she had been possessed by as many as seven demons, and that likely in the darkest part of her life, she had given herself to prostitution as a, a way to make a living. She felt trapped and hopeless until she had come to Jesus and began to follow him and find hope through not only his words, but his love and his welcoming of her. Uh, but this Mary, she and a couple of her friends were making their way down to the tomb where Jesus had been laying. They were still reeling, still feeling the gut punch of Jesus's execution uh, just a couple of days before. But they made their way to the tomb where they would lay flowers, where they would tend and they would pay honor, just as many of us will do when someone we love has died and will go the days after and continually after uh, back to their gravesite, back to uh, just to remember and to feel some connection with that memory. Mary was going to the tomb that morning. Then she and her friends were startled both by sight and sound. An angel was perched atop of a boulder that only hours before, the night as the sunset the evening before, had been the seal for the tomb where Jesus had lain. And now that stone had been rolled away and perched atop it was this angel. It must have been an incredible sight. It was so powerful in its image. And the angel was radiating so much that even the guards who were placed there to guard the tomb were laying down as if they were dead. Uh, this scene is so astonishing, one commentator even noted the irony here, that he who was dead is now alive, and those who were alive are now laying as if they are dead. And now, as they approach the tomb, awed by the sight of the angel, frightened by the sight of the soldiers laying as dead, now the angel speaks and says, do not be afraid. Now, the angel says this reassuringly to them. In other words, he's saying, don't freak out recognizing that the sight that they were beholding uh, would have made anyone uh, uncomfortable. But the angel's words were speaking more. They were speaking beyond just Mary's immediate reaction to seeing the angel in the situation that she was trying to drink in. The angel's words, do not be afraid, were speaking to her whole life, to her hopes, to her dreams that had seemingly been dashed in the death of Jesus Christ. Jesus had the words of life. Jesus is the one who was the Lamb of God who had come to take away the sins of the world. If he is not enduring, then what hope did anyone have? But the angel speaks and says, do not be afraid. I know who you're looking for. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he's not here. He is risen just as he said that he would. Now, Jesus had predicted six times that he would rise from the dead though no one understood what he meant and certainly couldn't have believed. But six times he makes that prediction. 
And Mary, hearing the angel now declaring that it has come true, she's asking herself, is this possible? Is it possible that one who was dead has now been raised from the dead? And the answer to that is, of course not. It's not possible. Miracles, by their definition, are things that are not possible. If they were possible, they wouldn't be miracles. And so it's not possible for somebody to be raised from the dead. And yet, Jesus was raised from the dead. And the angel was testifying to it and saying, do not fear. And the angel goes on and says, come and see. These are the second words of the first message of Easter. The first words being, do not fear. Come and see the second words of Easter, that first Easter Sunday. It's an invitation for Mary to come and to investigate the facts. It's an invitation for Mary to come to a conclusion of her own. Mary is not being asked to simply believe what someone else has told her that she believe, should believe. Mary is being given an opportunity to consider for herself all of the truths that she is able to see and to align them with all of the promises and all of the teachings that Jesus had offered. The same invitation that Mary is extended to come and to see is extended to every one of us. Where religion has a tendency to say, keep away. How does that which is holy have anything to do with that which is ordinary and profane? While religion tends to keep us away, Christianity says, come and see. It's an invitation for us to engage our minds. It's an invitation for us to bring in the best minds of, of our world and to consider all of the facts, to evaluate them, and then to see if we can come up with a more plausible explanation for the empty tomb than that of which the angel is declaring, that Jesus is risen. He's no longer there. He has risen and he has gone. The angel continues, and he says to Mary, after he says, come and see, he says, go and tell. Go and tell my disciples that Jesus is risen. Now, why the disciples? Well, because they needed to know. Like Mary, they were feeling the emptiness, the hollowness, the brokenheartedness, the hopelessness of seeing the one to whom they had committed their lives being crucified. To compound that, they, each one of them, had gone their own way. They had forsaken him. And they had denied belonging to him. And so compounded with their sadness was a guilt and a, a sense of simplicity, of complicity. There wasn't one of them who said, then or ever, well, at least we have the memories. You know, we have his teachings, we have the example of his life, that's really what matters. Every one of them understood that's not ultimately what matters. What mattered was being with him, being with Jesus, being in his presence. What mattered was that he was the one who would show them the way to heaven. He's the one who promised to go and make a place for them. He was the one who was going to take them there. But if he has died, if he is dead, then what hope is there that his words would continue to carry truth and continue to bring power? The resurrection changes everything. 
and the disciples needed to hear every bit as much as those who had never heard of Jesus. They needed to hear that Jesus Christ, who was the Lamb of God, who had come to take the sins of the world away, He did so by giving His life as a substitute, dying the death that we need to die, and we deserve to die, but only to conquer death through His resurrection. He is the hope, and He is the assurance that the disciples needed to hear. It's important that we understand this because even believers today, we need to be reminded and to hear the truth of the gospel every bit as much as those who have yet to hear it. Because it's the truth of the gospel that transforms. It's the truth of the gospel that gives life. It's the truth of the gospel that brings power into the lives of the believers. And so Mary was sent, go and tell. Tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. And Mary obeyed. Mary, in obedience, went, left the side of the grave, went on her way, on her way to tell the disciples the message that she was to carry to them. And it's on her way, as she is engaged in the mission of declaring the resurrection of Christ, that she actually encounters Jesus. She experiences His presence. She worships Him. And it's important that we understand that it's often in the context of our engaging in mission in serving other people that we do experience the presence of Christ in a way that is unique from other times. Of course, it's not the only time and not the only way that we experience His presence. We do so whenever we gather for worship. We do so in our times of prayer. He's promised to always be with us, to never forsake us. But we see an example and an illustration in Mary that through obedience and engaging on mission, Christ is with her, and she is able to worship Him in a special and in a personal way. And Jesus reaffirms what the angel had said, go and tell my brothers, He says. Now, of course, He means the same as the angel, go and tell the disciples. That's the brothers that Jesus has most immediate in mind. But Jesus means means even more. And the reason I I believe this is because there was a, a situation that Matthew recorded earlier in his book, In Matthew chapter 12, while Jesus was speaking, that his mother and his brothers, his biological half-brothers, came to find him, to try to bring him home because the crowds were getting agitated by his teaching. And when he was told that they were there, Jesus' response was, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then raising his arms and pointing toward his disciples, he said, these are my mother, these are my brothers. And then he followed up by saying, anyone who does the will of God, anyone who does the will of my Father, they're my brothers. Here Jesus is saying, go and tell the brothers, and he very definitely has in mind those very same disciples. And yet, if we consider that anyone who does the will of God, anyone who is loved by God is a brother or a sister, they also are in need of hearing the message that he is risen the message of the fulfillment of the gospel. And so we see here a need to remind one another. We see here a need to go and to share the gospel with the the crowds and the neighbors, wherever there are people who will hear that Jesus Christ is risen. And the reason that we need to hear that is because our lives are filled with little deaths and sometimes major deaths. Death is all around us. We have death not only physically in our families and our relationships, but we experience death of dreams, death of hopes, death of of our finances, death in, in relationships, little deaths. And yet the fact that there is a resurrection that is the promise of our hope 
enables us to continue on recognizing those little deaths don't do us in, but we experience a taste of the resurrection that we're promised to experience in its fullness later. The resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that God is real and He is at work in this world. The bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ tells us that God is not interested merely in spirits or people living out certain ideals, but He is concerned. He loves the whole man whom He created after His own image, and He has saved people, not just spirits. The bodily resurrection tells us that Jesus is who He says He is, that He is God who became man, took on flesh in order to offer Himself as a substitute sacrifice on our behalf to save us because we could not save ourselves. And because Jesus rose from the dead, the resurrection proves to us that every prediction and every promise that Jesus made is real. And so we are able to have life, life to its fullness here on earth, and life everlasting when our time has come or when Jesus comes back again. This is the message of Easter. Come and see. Go and tell. Come, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you've done. See that the tomb is empty. The offering has been taken. The veil has been removed. And Christ has secured our hope and our salvation. Go. Get up from where you are. Go about your life. Don't simply stay at the grave and tell. Tell someone. Tell your neighbor. Tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell someone this week. Tell someone this year that Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Happy Easter.